0: why is it that we have a festival that women are like run ragged and they're running around and they haven't got the, the space or the time to enjoy Diwali so they're doing it for the kids they're doing it for the husbands in-laws and I'm sure it's done out of love but why do we not think about the women there always has been that bad Betty, you know there always has been yeah
1: not and, and, it, and it doesn't mean somebody who stood up and told everybody to fuck off or anything it was mm. that person there were yeah. a lot of them yeah. who just rocked the boat a little bit Hi, I'm Rina Dithyanabil and you're listening to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect, the weekly podcast where I, with the help of my wonderful guests, explore all things womanhood. We salute the game changers. And we celebrate all those extraordinary, ordinary women who are changing the world one bit at a time. And joining me now is one of those women, someone who is a writer. Also, she produces and presents her own podcast called The Masala Podcast, where she interviews some amazing and inspiring women and tackles taboos. So there obviously is some crossover with this podcast, which is why it was so important that we do connect. It's the original Bad Betty, award winning podcaster, Sangeeta Pillai.
0: Welcome to the sisterhood of Mommy and Perfect, Sangeeta. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for asking me, Rina. This is such a pleasure to be here to, to talk about this stuff and be bad Betties in the flesh. Be- bad <laughs> Betties, exactly. Bad Betties.
1: Now, okay, so I called you a bad Betty in the intro, right? Uh, which I hope you don't mind, but it's something that you love use, it. You, you use yeah. yourself, this term. Absolutely. And You kind of, why did you start using this term? What connotations
0: does that have for you? So for me and for a lot of women in our culture, we grew up with this expectation to be a good daughter. So it's always about, are you a good daughter? Are you a good sister? Are you a good wife? We are prepared all our lives from the time we're like a year old to be looking after other people. And the pressure that is put upon us will then sometimes not allow us to be the people that we are meant to be mm. so allowing space for our voices and it was like taking that kind of good daughter pressure and turning it on its head is what the bad weighty was all about and it's a way to refer to kind of me and women like me and us who yeah. aren't afraid to challenge some of these patriarchal structures that we've we've grown up with
1: mm. and I feel like I was one of those people who was totally kind of, oh, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. Papa said, be an accountant. My mom said this, you know, I've got to then learn all these skills because I want to be eligible to marry someone good. yeah Because that's the point of it all, you know. And uh, then be a good daughter-in-law and all this, like, uh, you know. uh, And then I kind of, uh, I don't think, I, I was encouraged to do things, obviously, and explore my interests. And, you know, we had certain amount of freedom and stuff we had a nice childhood it wasn't like that but I think um we weren't encouraged to do certain things that we wanted to do which could have been good or exciting or a learning experience so for example once I said to my dad uh, I think me and my friend (laughs) we watched the film Coyote Ugly where they had a bar we were like we want to start a bar that's it let's start a bar it's going to be really good and let's make a business plan we were in our early 20s and my dad was like nah you know just no, no, no. Stay away from that. Stay away from all that. Have a stable, good career. And I was like, well, so what if I'd started a business? Maybe it wouldn't have gone anymore, you know, you know, but it's like, why not do those things instead of become, you know, doctor, lawyer, accountant, all these good, sensible things, go nine to five and work Mm. all our lives, do the right thing. Because I feel like I then come into my own going, uh, going into media and writing later on. And that sometimes I wonder like, what would have happened if I had done that earlier?
0: Because obviously the yeah. interests were there. Do you feel
1: absolutely. the same? Do you feel the same yeah, way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like I think because there's so much pressure and conditioning around a being, like you said, a doctor, lawyer, engineer, getting married, having children. And it's like we only have this one straight line of how we're supposed to live our lives as women, particularly, right? Um, and it doesn't allow us, so say you wanted to be creative at that age. I wanted to be a writer. Um, so many other women want so many things but because the love we're given is conditional mm. to then fitting into what maybe our parents want us to do, maybe what society wants us to do. And it almost like, I don't know if, if it was the same for you, but the subtext was very much like, oh, well, yeah, sort of go and be really good at school and work really hard and college and get a job. But then your ultimate point is to marry somebody, it doesn't matter. How good you are, how accomplished you are, how smart or clever you are. Are you married? Have you got children? Like, it seems to be like that's the only measure of a woman's success in our culture. And it really shouldn't be. Well, I, I do have friends who are the same age
1: as me. They're not married. They would like to be. They haven't met anyone. And their parents literally cry, sit there and cry. Oh, my God, you're not married. What's the point of anything we haven't been able to get you settled down and it's, and and that's, they see that as a failure and then that's a lot of yeah. emotional pressure on the person of course, who
0: of course. isn't with anyone, you know? Exactly. And at the end of the day, shouldn't that be about our choices? Like, is it what makes us happy? If you want to get married? Yeah, by all means go have, get married, have children. If that's what makes you happy, but we shouldn't be doing that because that's society's measure of all we are worth. Surely mm. we're worth more than that. And, Parents subscribe to it, and their parents subscribe to it, and it's not their fault. It's just what what we've all grown up believing. Yeah, and I think it's time to challenge some of these ideas.
1: I mean, even my parents, I would say they're quite liberal now because, uh me and one of my sisters, you know, we've had love marriages to people outside of the community and stuff and everybody's fine with it now but then still with my youngest sister as well they were like oh you know we're going to be real happy when she's settled when she's settled when she's she's married that's when we can relax you know everyone's sorted out everyone's settled you know it's such a big thing yeah yeah, we can die happy that kind of thing yeah Um, Yeah. (laughs) and uh, the other day uh, I watched this uh, documentary on Netflix A Suitable Girl I don't know if you've seen it have you seen no, it? No, I haven't. No, um, I think it's from quite a few years ago, but it was—I uh, think they recently put it on Netflix. But it's this documentary about um, a few different women trying to find partners and marry them. And then there was this one girl who um, she was—I think she was in Mumbai, and I mean they weren't that well off; they were okay. She was a teacher. They showed her 30th birthday. Everybody was like, oh, I wish, what I wish for you is that you find a husband. You get married quickly. That is my wish. She herself was crying. Oh, I oh, can't God. believe it. You know, I just want to be happy. I just want to find somebody. And that was such a pressure to do yeah. that. And then by yeah. the, at that age 30, for some people, that's like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. You're past you're it. You're over the hill. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're told, right?
1: Yeah. Are you? So you grew up in India, didn't you? Yeah, so I spent
0: most of my life in India. In I was born in Kerala. We moved to Mumbai when I was a year old. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Bangalore for a bit. And I moved to the UK about 16 years ago. So I've spent most of my life in India. Okay. And mm-hmm. I
1: haven't lived in India, but I uh, have got family there. My parents spend a lot of time there. And so we've gone back and forth a lot uh, to Delhi and Punjab, like throughout my life, we've gone back and forth. And I feel like, there that whole thing of you know we're saying okay this is the expectation for women but it's so much worse and um to the point where you can't the freedoms that you have are so limited um you know like for example because my my younger sister lived there recently and, and got married to somebody there and even everything was like oh you have to go somewhere with your husband if you're going go with him you can't go by yourself
0: yeah.
1: those kind of things yeah.
0: Yeah, Do you, do you yeah.
1: still feel that it's, it's,
0: it's like that? Um, yes. I mean, India is very contradictory. So there's no, you can't say that this is how all of India is because there's the urban kind of India that lives in big cities that is very kind of out there, partying, dating, having sex, whatever. You know, they're doing exactly what young people say in London do. But there's also a large part of India, maybe smaller towns, villages, etc., where it's very much that. And even in kind of, I grew up in Mumbai, which is, you know, big urban metropolis. Um, but there's a lot of groping, there's a lot of sexual violence, there's a lot of um, a lack of safety for women. Even as we go about kind of work or college or university, I'd get groped every single day that I stepped out of my house. You know, this was kind of normal for women growing up. So there is, it is definitely, I think, a lot harder to be a woman in India, is, I think one of the the most unsafe place to be a woman. I think one of the, I think UNICEF uh, declared that a couple of years ago, because, you know, these, again, these come from ideas of women being less than men being more important. Um, So how do you show that you're more important, more powerful by attacking women? You know, there's a lot of this stuff that is ingrained in Indian society. Um, and some of it unfortunately still trickles down to places like the UK because that's yes. the root culture Yep. so if things are really difficult for a lot of Indian women living in India um, some of that stuff does come through here in the UK because these are the ideas that we've all imbibed and exactly. we carry through to this day you know and look
1: you know you came here 16 years ago but people that I know a lot of them, my relatives and uh, parents, they came here quite some time ago. And so, for example, my grandparents came in the 60s. To them, Indian culture was what it was in the 60s. Do you get what I mean? And if you want to, we need to preserve our culture. So we have to have that same mindset. doesn't matter whoever's moved on. That's what it means to us, right? Which is very uh, damaging, really.
0: Absolutely. You're stuck in in a time warp. Yeah. And in fact, I was just about to say that, like I work with a lot of South Asian women and some of the stuff they tell me, and I say, you know, this doesn't even happen in India anymore. Yeah. Like places like India moved on. This doesn't happen, but we're still doing this in the UK. So it's again, I understand it's people's need to kind of hang on to the culture that they've brought. Um, It's a fear of letting that go. If I let that go, who am I? You know, what, where do I belong? I think it's these ideas. Yeah. And and the fact that all these customs or they
1: they have to be the same you know they we have to do this otherwise it's not a proper wedding or it's not a proper Mm. celebration so you Mm. wrote this piece recently for Stylist Magazine about a very different kind of Diwali a a feminist Mm. Diwali
0: so just tell me a little bit about that yeah so yeah so growing up in India Diwali was very much like family centric as it is in you know most Indian families and South Asian families it's about Mom, dad, kids, grandparents, cousins, uncles, et cetera, coming together, which is lovely. But then what happens if somebody is single or living alone or is widowed or has none of that support system? So what happens to those women? So I really started to think about it because I live on my own. I you know, have lost my mother and father. My brothers live in other countries, so I don't really have family. So mm. then I was like, so what happens to someone like me? Am I not supposed to celebrate this festival? Which I love. I love Diwali. I love the kind Mm -hmm. of um, the ideas of removing darkness from your life and bringing in light and, you know, all the kind of concepts. So I sat down and I actually made a list It's like, okay, if the family Diwali doesn't apply to me, what is my Diwali? So I'm like, okay, these are, and I actually made a list of things that I love and that I thought fit my life as a feminist living in the UK on my own. Um, So I love the kind of, uh, the oil baths that we do in South Indian families is like uh, I don't know if you do that in your culture but uh, you'd warm up oil in the morning like usually uh, sesame seed oil mm-hmm. and you'd you know your mom would kind of rub it on your body then you'd go have a little bath and put on your new clothes for Diwali because that's mm-hmm. how you started Diwali morning so I did the same thing I went and got some sesame seed oil warmed it up put a few candles and things and I made it like a self-care Diwali thing. yeah. And then I got, had a shower, put on my nice, uh, bright Diwali kurta and pajama. Uh, and it just felt really, really good. And then I was like, okay, what else am I going to do? So I'm like, I'm going to, so Diwali for me is light. It's about as much light in your life and your home as is possible. So I went to Wembley, got all these diyas. Uh, I think I got like 50 or 60 <laughs> Uh, got some Rangoli um, and got a little, um, like, um, a little goddess Lakshmi and uh, Ganesh. And then I lit up the entire flat and I live in a little flat, as you know, and all the way from the door, all the way up to my kitchen is like these lights. And I put up kind of garlands. I got these like little garlands. You can see one in the background there. I still mm. haven't removed it. Yeah. It's, I really like it. See the other yeah, side, nice bright yellow. Um, yeah, and um, put it all up. And I must tell you, it felt fantastic. Um, and the other thing I did was, I again, a lot of women get the, the burden of cooking and cleaning for Diwali. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is it that we have a festival that women are like run ragged and they're running around and they haven't got the, the space, at the time to enjoy Diwali? So they're doing it for the kids, they're doing it for the husbands, in laws. And I'm sure it's done out of love, but why do we not think about the women? Yes. So I was like, okay, so my mom used to make like 10 different things. So I was like, I'm going to do one. And I made these um, nankatai, which is like these biscuits yes. that you get in so Mumbai. Nice. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, I do. very love them. specific. Me too. So I looked up the recipe. I made this nankatai, played a bit of music. I played like this song that I love called J Hope from Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. And I was yes. making my nankatai. And, you know, it was lovely. Yes. It was such a nice feeling. And then I made some chole or whatever, you know, jira rice. So it just, I think this year has felt more Diwali for me than any other year that I've been in the UK. Um, also kind of moving here, you know, it, Christmas feels like Christmas because everything's lit up. Diwali yeah. never feels like Diwali because no. we're kind of a minority community, right? Yeah, so nobody really knows it exists. And I've always sort of felt like, oh, it doesn't really feel like Diwali-ish. But this year it really did because I think I had the intention. To create the kind of Diwali that worked for me um, and I systematically went and did it and it felt absolutely wonderful it really did so much so that I've not even removed the decoration <laughs> <laughs> you know what it,
1: everything that you did like you did it for you it was an internal thing yeah, and yeah. really as you said it is about light and hope and and those kind of things and I think often, you know, when it is women running around, oh my god, we've got to do this, invite this person, that by that person, get the product out. They need to be big and bold. Everything mm. needs to be like this. Let's show the neighbors. Let's show our yeah. other relatives how great it all is. You know, it's tiring, and also yeah. it's like the message becomes a little bit diluted because you're doing all these things yeah. for the show and all the things that you think that you should exactly. be doing. Exactly. Um, I mean, I used to, uh, <laughs> I used to force my children to watch. Um, this uh, cartoon version of the Ramayan oh, and yeah. then and then they got they got sick of it too. and they know the story <laughs> and I felt like oh god <laughs> they did like and I was like no because we have to do this and they need to know the culture and everything because for me it's really important to teach them and then yeah. I was like this year I was like just have a nice time yeah.
0: this should just be
1: a celebration have fun I'm not going to try and be like I'm going to teach you lessons and all this everybody is aware of the story everybody knows it have a nice time Let's celebrate! Yeah. Like, what things do we like to eat? Let's get some mitai, samosas, some and all these things, and um, rangoli, and all these things. So, it's a yeah, and it's an internal joyous thing—the things that make yeah. you happy, which is exactly Absolutely. exactly Absolutely. what you did. But these yeah. kind of things, there are other um, festivals and other traditions, yeah. which it, it was all about your husband, your in-laws, yes, and your children, yes, yeah, and. And those are things that do you sometimes feel with, with other stuff as well. Like, okay, I, you know, either I forget about this or I feel I'm missing out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's also like a complicated thing for us, isn't it? If we're Particularly if we belong to a culture that isn't the main culture of wherever we live. Yeah. There's a need to belong and connect to our roots. And that's a good thing. But then sometimes if those roots feel like they don't fit with who we are, Um, Like some festivals are very much about, you know, um, wishing for long life for your husband, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But what about those who don't have husbands or don't want husbands? Or, you know, like some of it feels very, very restrictive. So I think for me personally, and I think this ties into the work that I do as much as it does to my own personal life. The journey has been about saying that, yes, this is my culture and I love my culture and I'm really proud of my culture. But there are some bits of it that do not work for me. And I'm going to choose which bits those are. It's Mm -hmm. not like a bog standard being an Asian is this. And these are the 20 things you must do. Otherwise, you're not Asian. Mm -hmm. It's not that. I think we have to have the, the ability and the freedom to look. And I think, oh, this is actually really beautiful. I love what this means. I'm going to take that into my own life. Yes. This I don't like so much because it doesn't. You know, resound with my kind of beliefs about life or the world. So I'm not going to do that. So I think that is a really important thing for us to do and to allow ourselves to do and to allow each other to do and to say, yeah, that's okay. And to celebrate, you know, this culture that we're part of, like truly celebrate it in our own way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, you know, you have kind of got a certain mindset now. Um, You are a feminist and has it have you always been this way and had this kind of open-minded uh mindset you know uh, of leading life in your own way or
0: did you come on a journey to get here it's been a journey so um I was always a feminist I was say I was born a feminist except I didn't know it was a feminist because there was no word for feminism in India in the 80s you know um but I kind of grew up And what I saw around me, like my family situation was quite complicated. My dad was alcoholic. He was abusive. Mm. So sorry. There was a lot of violence uh, that I saw growing up. Um, Directed at you or just something? No, to to my mother. To my mother. And the message that I got growing up was like, women aren't valued. Men can do whatever they like because they're husbands and they're providers and things like that. Uh, And all a woman woman is allowed to do is kind of think about who she marries and that's pretty much her life. So I think growing up in that made me very strongly reject that. I think that's been my journey. I think my first instance was about rejecting all of it to say, I do not want any Mm. of this because it just subjugates women and it is not, this is not me. Yeah, But I think over the last maybe Definitely over the last four or five years, with the work that I do with Masala podcast, um, interviewing the women that I do, running the workshops that I do, meeting other South Asian women, really talking about the taboos in our culture and our culture itself, has also been a personal journey for me to come back to my roots, in a sense, Um, and kind of owning that part of me and allowing myself, like I was saying to you earlier, to say that, you know, all of this doesn't need to be part of you. You can take the bits that, that work for you. So I've always been a feminist. I will always be a feminist until the day I die. I think that's just who I am to my core. Um, and I was just born this way, I think. Uh, but the, the courage to voice these things has, has taken a long time to happen. I think when you're younger, particularly, you know, you're trying to fit into the world and kind of um, yeah. adjust to people and find jobs and partners and all the things and you... You're not sure you're allowed to say these things. I think it takes age and experience and life to happen to you to say, hang on a minute, but what does this actually mean? And then have the courage to stand up and say, you know, this might be unpopular, but this is something I really, really believe in. Yes. Um, And with that comes a lot of freedom, you know?
1: Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot recently about age, getting older, which is something at this time of the year I do because I'm, Going to be 43 soon. So I kind of reflect on the year, you know, and um, lessons that I've learned and stuff, because obviously we're still learning, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I feel like when I turned 40, there was that freedom, a certain mental yeah. freedom that came like, just yeah. like a zero fucks attitude. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Like, absolutely. don't care anymore because, you know, I'm this age. I can go my own way. I can do what I want. I'm going to just live life the way I want to right and stand up for the things that I believe in spend my time on who I want to spend my time this kind of thing um and I think I think that does come with age because I because I I don't think my 20 year old 25 year old self would have been like that it takes a
0: lot of um, courage and belief in yourself I think for me it was quite a dramatic point when I turned 40 as well suddenly it feels like a sense of freedom, a, a sense of owning yourself, a sense of being okay to say and think whatever you think without worrying about what other people say or think. Um, and I think I found myself after I turned 40, forty. And I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to what the journey is like. I'm going to be I'm forty nine now. I'm going to be fifty next year. Are you okay? But, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, this is maybe this gets better and better and better. Like as we get older. Yeah. Uh, I think we get stronger and stronger. And, you know, it's not what the media tells us. The media tells us, oh, my God, be really embarrassed to be old. You know, like young is good oh, yes. and old is yeah, awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually think it's the reverse. You know, uh, at 20, you haven't got the courage to say these things that we're saying now. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> you know, you're too well, exactly. kind of caught up in your own stuff and you don't really think about these things. I think you get to 40, you get to 50, and then you start to really own who you are
1: i i agree because you know you're right we we're taught that we have to start feeling invisible after a certain yes, age or you know exactly. we're, we're not these sexy young women you know yeah. we need to just feel
0: invisible and wear shorts. smaller yeah and, yeah, exactly you know, like and not wear bright lipstick and yes you know don't wear clothes that are trying to be all, like auntie like that's bullshit Absolute i know bullshit. exactly exactly
1: um i mean you're right, it is, it, you do get a lot of freedom. I mean, I I'm I actually think that the older I get, I'm probably going to feel even more free. I probably will end up being one of those cantankerous old women yeah. who doesn't give I a shit. I want to be one of and, those. And yet one of those <laughs> who doesn't give a shit, who is very just, uh, doesn't conform, who's very uncooperative and just yeah. says things. Basically, my dad was yeah. a bit like that. Just says whatever, don't care. If I have to ruin a family function by telling you all about yourself, I will.
0: <laughs> that's how she was. <laughs> yeah. Here's to growing old disgraceful. Yes. That's what, I'm, old that's what I'm aiming for. I, I love
1: it. I love it. Do you think that we can, you know, we talked about celebrating our South Asian heritage. Can we do that and still challenge the patriarchy?
0: Oh, absolutely. That is what I'm all about. And that is what I'm doing, you know, and, um, I think the message that we've been fed, that there is only one way to be South Asian, is wrong. Um, I think we can be South Asian in exactly the way we want, the way that suits us. Mm. Whether that means, um, I don't know, for me, it's like I love South Asian clothing. I love uh, they see food. I love the music. I love the movies, the, you know, the, the, the fabrics. The colors, you know, these are all things that excite me and they're part of who I am. They're very much part of me. Um, So I do all of those. I'll wear my bindi and I'll wear my saris and I, you know, I got ordered idli's yesterday for dinner because I fancied it, you know. (laughs) So that's very much the case. But it's also about saying that actually, hang on a minute, why is Diwali, you know, seen as this kind of festival? What about Diwali for me? So I'm going to do it my way Mm -hmm. Um, or whatever, you know, like whatever those things are that, you know, bother me. I stand up and I talk about it. Um, you know, like being sexual. Why is there such a big taboo? And women talking about our sex lives or pleasure. Why are we because we're taught that sex is for men, it isn't for us. Yeah. And that's rubbish. Yeah. We're supposed to kind of just lie there and wait for the man to do stuff, you know, to us. And again, why? Um, so these are things that, again, if you look at our culture, that's not our culture. Go read the Kama Sutra. Yeah. You know, that's our culture. So (laughs) it's, I think, breaking some of these things down and saying that, hang on a minute, we're being told that this to be South Asian, you have to be like this. But do I really? Where does this come from? It's questioning, because what patriarchy does is it introduces shame and say, oh, if you are not this, you should be ashamed and you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And the minute you step back and you say, hang on a minute, why should I feel like this? Because I haven't done anything. And this actually feels good to me. Mm. to stand up, to take a stance, to say things, to do things that might be unpopular but mm. feel right to you, Yeah, I think that is what, to me, being South Asian is about. So take the bits of the culture that work for you. Don't take the bits that don't work for you.
1: You know, I do think now, just thinking about it, my, my childhood and women that I've seen, Indian women growing up in the family and people that we knew, There always has been that bad Betty, you know. There always has been not, and and it and it doesn't mean somebody who stood up and told everybody to fuck off or anything. It was Mm. that person. There were a lot of them who just rocked the boat a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a troublemaker enough to say, "I'm doing this actually, thanks," or "No, I'm I'm not going to marry this person," or "You know, I'm I'm going to go out and pursue studies and then further studies." And then further yeah. studies because it's what I want to do. Um yeah. and I or you know, got up and, and told people exactly what they thought of them. So yeah. there always well, has been that absolutely. bad betty
0: element in in absolutely the that I know, which is I agree with you. And I think if we think back to our kind of aunties or grandmothers or masses or whoever, you know, in our own circle, there were always people who'd say, Oh, hang on a minute, it doesn't quite work for me. Um I think the difference is we now have avenues like social media. We have kind of uh, more open conversations. We have media where we're saying these things to a bigger audience and we're saying it more loudly. Where, say, the women before didn't have those, they had to mm-hmm. say that within their family or their sort of circle. Yeah. Um, so they were, I think, you know, we're not the pioneers. I think we're just lucky to be in a place and a space where we're allowed. You know, we, we can say these things louder. Mm. Um, and also don't forget, like these days we have um, financial independence. So like people like my mother, you know, they, there was no money. So where would she go? What would she do? Yeah. yeah, You know, so that's a huge thing. So women now we're earning our money, you know, we own our houses, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for us, which is invaluable in then saying what you think, because if yes. you're depending on somebody else to feed you and clothe you and look after your children, you haven't got that much independence. Well,
1: I mean, the amount of people I know who were in a bad marriage then, you know, told everybody how awful it was, I hate this, I want to come out of it, and then went back into that situation because they thought about how am I going to live? Yes, I have to go back in order to live, to have a comfortable house, to not go from family member to family member because that was the alternative, being a burden, so to speak, yeah. going to other people's houses. So it's like, okay, I'm yeah. just going to go back to this like horrible husband because yeah. that's my house. That's that, my financial yeah. security. Yeah. The amount exactly. of people who I've seen do that is uh, shocking, yes. really. And they still do and it. People, people still do that, is, right?
0: This is the thing. And because again, again, you've got to question: Why? You know, why are we doing that in 2021? Why do we do that? Because we carry that idea that somehow. Um, Marriage comes above everything else. We must sacrifice ourselves to look after our children. You know, these are ideas that are fed into our brains from the time we're like six months old. So it's Mm. going to be very difficult. Even today in 2021, if there's a woman who says, you know, should I have to be in this marriage? There is an alternative. There is always an alternative. Mm. Yes. But to go back to that is what feels safer, feels familiar, feels Mm. known. And that's the conditioning that we've grown up with in our culture. Yes, it is. So the taboos that you
1: tackle on
0: your podcast,
1: um,
0: what what kind of things are they that you talk about? So basically, all the things that we don't talk about in our community, I talk about on the podcast. <laughs> so everything from sex, sexuality, periods, menopause, mental health, porn. Um, what else have we talked about? Like, you you think about the thing we don't talk about, and I talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's the theme of, of, of the podcast. Each episode is a taboo topic, and I interview someone who's an activist or has knowledge of that space. Uh, so I've had people who uh, have run charities about period charity called Binti. I've had someone else who does uh, a menopause charity. I've had a South Asian porn star talk about her work. Oh, okay. I've had, yeah... Um, um a a psychotherapist who specializes in south asian mental health tina mystery talk you know talk about her work um i've had quite well-known women like um anushka shankar on the podcast this season Mm -hmm. talking about sexual harassment i've had anita rani on there talking about kind of growing up within two cultures you had as well didn't you yeah, I did have a over today. I'm so glad you know her because a lot of people in yeah, UK yeah, don't know who I she I do is. from from uh, a time ago. And and I feel like she's one of those women who used oh my to just God, yeah, a bad betty kind of say what I want. She was through care. and through. And she had the courage just, you know, I remember growing up in India in the 80s, reading her column saying, oh my God, are women allowed to talk like this? You know, like, so she was an absolute yeah. pioneer. And she's still like that. She's in her 70s, an absolute firebrand, doesn't care, says whatever she thinks, exactly what she thinks. And I just loved her, you know. She's absolutely a bad baby, you know, you know, long yeah. before bad babies that we you know existed, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. So, yeah, so Shobhade, I've interviewed her, interviewed uh, a, a sex positivity expert in, in India called Lisa Mangalas, who does a mm. lot of work around sex. Um, someone else who does work around uh, female genital cutting. So it's kind of, So far, it's been interviews with South Asian women here in the UK, like Mm. famous people. And it's not so much about if somebody's famous, but are they authentic? Do they really talk about that taboo topic? And then I've done some interviews with women in India as well.
1: Mm. Do you feel like, you know, when you go to India, when you go back, do you feel like a certain frustration of oh my god you know there's so many people and there's so many issues that need to be sorted out I want to do something and that something might be a drop in the ocean but I
0: I want to do something because I get that when I go there like I want to do something absolutely and also because it's for me I'm kind of British and Indian it's they're both part of my identity Mm -hmm. you know Um, so yeah sometimes I do see things particularly with women and their safety that make me very very angry and very very upset and I wish I could kind of wave a wand and, you know, that would get fixed. But I know that it won't. And I can do what I can do with the work that I do uh, and hope that it reaches women. And it does, you know, and I think that's the thing to remember. Like I hadn't, um, I get so many messages about the podcast, like almost every day on my Instagram, on my website, on my email.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I got one last week from somebody who said she was 16 years old and she lived in India and she found my podcast by accident on Spotify and she said you know you made me feel less alone and I thought oh isn't that a wonderful thing so I think it's important while it feels like a drop in the ocean and the problem seems humongous humongous I feel like we've got to start somewhere and this is what I do to to help that I think
1: yeah well it's I think it's amazing and um you're doing an amazing job and it's been really nice to connect with you
0: it's been absolutely wonderful thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and connect and hang out and talk about some of these things thank you so much
1: if people want to find out a bit more about you and your podcast so just um, let us know your handles where they can find you yeah
0: so if you Google Masala podcast my podcast should come up uh, I'm on Instagram so soul Sutras is the platform that uh, I run uh, and under that I have Masala podcasts and I have Masala Monologues which are workshops where women come in and write their stories there's also theater shows that i've done mm-hmm. um, and if you want to find me please go to SoulSutras.co.uk. that's my website or look for soul sutras on instagram or soul sutras on twitter uh, and i'm also on facebook and youtube soul sutras so yeah drop me a line send me a message let's mm-hmm. let's connect
1: I really actually wish that when I was living in the same area as you, that we had connected because a lot of the things that you're doing, like I used to do like theater workshops for women and this kind of thing, like I'd literally yeah. on your doorstep, you know? Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just funny the way that um, Absolutely. Out, Absolutely. Isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. It really, really is. But you know, you're not that far away. Come, come No, 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 exactly. Um, exactly.
1: And I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again soon. We definitely and, will. And thank you everyone for listening please do share this podcast write a lovely review if you want on apple Podcasts. that would make my day please get in touch if there's something that you want to get off your chest and you think that we should be talking about and follow me at sisterhood of mummy and perfect on instagram or at Rena deanna Bill. i'm also on twitter and there's a mummy and perfect facebook page as well but that's all for now so until next week bye Benny.